rich soil. A couple months ago, I wanted to help my parents' lawn. There are a lot of these uh, brown patches, dirt patches with no grass. And so I wanted to plant some summer seed, which sounds very simple, right? You just throw some seed and everything's fine. But then you look into it, and as you probably know, and I've done this, there's several steps, right? You first have to de-thatch the grass, kind of rake it and get the, the dead stuff and kind of stir up the soil a little bit, kind of expose the soil. They say it's good to aerate it where you, you poke holes in the dirt. It kind of softens and spreads out the dirt and creates a, a space for the seeds. And then they said, well, and once you plant the seed, you know, then you, you put some mulch or something over it so that it's not exposed. It can kind of help keep it wet and whatnot. Then you have to water it every day, multiple times a day for several weeks. I was like, oh boy. So there's a lot to be done. Like we all want, don't, don't, you know, if we have grass or, you know, we all want like the rich green grass in our yard. We want the healthy garden. We all want that. And what's beautiful and good is that there's actually steps. There's things to be done so that in time it will bear fruit. Jesus shares today that he wants us to bear fruit. That's what God desires for us. Those good things, that, that life that we see and want, that God put that desire in us, and he has a plan to fulfill it as we cooperate with him. And so he gives us this parable of the sower and the seed, one that we, we hear often, we know, I think we can connect with, even in our you know, current society. I want to reflect on it because I think as he talks about the different types of seed, it gives us a moment to reflect on where am I at and what, what can I do in my life to foster richer soil. So first, the first seed is those who hear the word. It's on the path, right? They hear the word without understanding. And then the evil one comes and steals it away. So I think the key is understanding. If we don't understand something, it can never take root. Think about learning a math lesson for the first time. And you're like, this is terrible. I don't understand it. I'll never understand math. It's, it's very frustrating. Well, last several months, we've all been given a big lesson in what is coronavirus. What, uh, what does it mean to flatten the curve? What, does, what do our values mean? You know, how many people the, the virus is spread by a person who has it. What does it mean to be asymptomatic? You know, are masks really that important? Like, we've all been learning. <laughs> and it isn't true that as we understand more, that's why there's been this education happening. As we understand more, we can cooperate and create a culture that in this case would kill the virus. That I think in a parallel way, as we understand our faith and create a culture of seeking greater understanding, that 
our faith can then flourish. And so I, I think we always need to be growing in our faith, seeking greater, greater understanding, because issues always come up. I know I've heard it said many times, people will say, this you know, maybe a controversial issue is, how come the church hates gay people? To which I respond, I'll say, well, well tell me, what, what does the church teach about gay people? Well, doesn't the church teach that they're, they're going to go to hell? To which I reply, would you like to hear what the church actually teaches? I say, the church has never said that anybody's in hell. What the church teaches is that every person is created good with dignity and is worthy of love and respect. And that the gift of our sexuality is an aspect of who we are. It doesn't define who we are. It's an it describes who we are and, and how we express love. And there's a way that we express love that's in harmony with our bodies and our lives. And there's a way to express love that does violence, is, is in disharmony to who we are, violates who we are. So, for example, when love is meant to be until death do us part, and so when it doesn't happen that way, doesn't it hurt? Love is meant to be free without coercion or pressure. And when it doesn't happen that way, it just it hurts and violates God's goodness. And so the more that we can understand what love is, what our sexuality is, and what it's for, that the more we can cooperate with it, and it can reach its fulfillment. The more we understand a thing, the more we can cooperate with it, and the harder it is for the evil one to pull us away. Does that make sense? And I think that's an example, I use that example because I think that's an example that's pulling a lot of our young people away from the church. Like, how could a good God, you know, the church teaches this. It's like, that's not what the church teaches. I don't think we understand what our church teaches about the human person and our sexuality and love and the fulfillment of it. And so how can we help? Like how we can understand it better and then maybe we can help other people to understand that. And the evil one has less of a chance to pull us away. The second seed falls on rocky ground. That's the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes, he immediately falls away. We need roots, but roots take patience, it takes time, it takes effort. It takes watering the grass multiple times every day for weeks and years, right? You know, it, so what does it take to, how do we help our roots of faith grow? It's taking time every day. You know, maybe it's five minutes of silence. Maybe it's reflecting on the daily readings. Maybe it's praying a decade of the rosary. Maybe it's mass every Sunday, going to confession every month. Maybe it's all of the above. And what that diligence does is it, is it allows my roots to go stronger and deeper. It gives me the grace of perseverance so that when a tribulation or a persecution comes, that hurts, but it doesn't uproot me. 
Nobody can foster our roots but us. Others can help us, but it's up to us. This is something that I see, I think about roots with like the students, you know. Maybe some of the students had a great year, but the time that, that I'm concerned about, it's not so much when they go back to their dorm with their roommates or their classmates. Interestingly, the time that most students are uprooted is when they go home for the summer. They've had a good year, surrounded, coming back to this community, because you can have a bad day on campus, but you come back. And you can be cultivated. But you go home for a few months, and maybe I'm hanging out with those friends who don't believe. Maybe my family doesn't really go to church. Maybe they kind of aren't on board with the church's teachings. And that's where we can get uprooted. And so I say that to think about what, what cultures do we place ourselves in? Where are the areas that seem to kind of uproot us? And how can we you know, just adjust? I do think it's interesting. There's another way that roots grow. Did you know that when a tree experiences a strong blowing wind, the tree's natural response is to have the roots go deeper into the ground? that a plant in times of drought, the plant will begin to stretch its roots deeper into the ground. That's the trade-off. If you, if you water something a little bit every day, the roots actually stay kind of shallow, right? But in times of drought, the roots start to go deep. And so just because we experience tribulation or persecution, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean God's against me but that perhaps God's given me an occasion where if I can lean into him, if I can lean into prayer even more, I will actually grow more than ever. That this difficult tribulation and persecution, as hard as I think it is, could actually be strengthening me for the next bigger trouble. And what's beautiful is as we do that, As we lean into the Lord, we experience a joy that's not short and temporary, but a joy that can be long and lasting. The third type of seed, it's when it's thrown among thorns. The one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. We live in a time of incredible anxiety. That was true five months ago, and it's more true than ever right now. You know, concern about what's gonna happen, concern about relatives, concern about financial well-being. And it's so easy for people even of great faith to be totally fixated on these, this, these causes of anxiety. I mean, obviously the coronavirus, but our, our political world social unrest. I mean, you look at, think about financial unrest. I mean, you think about anything, there's always something. But it reminds me of Peter when he was walking on the water. When he focused on the Lord, he was fine. But when he saw the storm, that's when he began to sink. I think our invitation is not to ignore the storm, but to focus on the Lord and to tell him all about the storm. To tell him all about what is concerning me. All the things that are stealing my peace. 
I tell him. That, that the anxiety actually becomes another occasion to turn to the Lord and to grow in that relationship. So the goal is not no storm, but rather Jesus with me in the storm. The storm ceases to have the ability to steal my peace. Because I know Jesus is with me and he's the Prince of Peace. The lure of riches, I just, I think it's, it's anything that, not just that which is shiny and attractive, but it, it's something that, what is money? Money is security. And so it's something that I can do and grab onto for my own security. But real security comes when I let go of that and I put myself in the Lord's hands. I don't allow myself to get distracted, but continue to go to the Lord again and again and again. And it's that kind of perseverance and patience and time and effort that yields the fruit of incredible faith. Yesterday, I, I celebrated with a couple 50 years of marriage. And you think about what does it take for 50 years of marriage? I mean, it's something if, if people are married or called to marriage, we all want that. But what does it take? It takes a million small daily choices. The choice to seek to understand, an act of service, an encouraging word, uh, a choice to have it their way and not my way. It takes a lot of time, patience, perseverance. And so today the Lord, I think, is inviting us to ponder the soil of our own lives, our own hearts, and, and these things that we can do to cultivate a richer soil, to seek understanding, to seek the Lord in prayer and to, to strengthen those roots, to go to God with our anxieties and worries. And it's through those little daily choices again and again that, that changes the soil of our lives and allows the, the deep roots of faith to take hold in us. And it's through that rich soil cooperating with the Lord, that we can experience the richness, the fruitfulness, 160 or 30-fold.